0: One small step for man. One giant
1: leap for mankind. Columbia, Columbia,
0: Alright, welcome back everybody to a whole nother installment of the TKW Podcast, Episode 5. Uh, we're your hosts, I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm
1: Kyle Maggio.
0: And let's hop right into it. So, a uh, little bit of a lighter schedule. Happy Thanksgiving everybody, by the way. Hope uh, hope everyone had a good weekend. Kyle, I hope you had a good good little break. It was well, bud? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, real quick before we hop into it, I... I was missing because uh, I had everyone out of my house before by three p.m. It was, it was a great Thanksgiving. I hosted, and everyone had to leave and go to work and do different things. So it kind of you know, says something about the state of America, but whatever. It was quiet, but Solid. I was missing uh, basketball on Thanksgiving. Really, would have loved to get a get a game in there. I guess that says something about America too. But yeah, yeah, not a single game. No, they stopped doing that like a couple of years ago, but. I'll just wait for Christmas, but man, it would have been nice to get, I mean, I watched some football, I guess, yeah, you know, that's like the twice a year that I end up watching football, but um, yeah, but so no games on Thanksgiving, but we had a game, uh, came off a win at the end of last podcast against the Trailblazers, which went into another win against the Hornets, Uh, real, some flashy mellow stuff up there, I love seeing some vintage throwback. And uh and then we lost twice. So uh eight and nine, seventeen games through the season. What are we thinking?
1: I texted a friend of mine today, and despite the eight and nine record, uh, I sent it in the form of a question and I said, um I think the Knicks are kind of decent. Like I, I think I think this is a, a playoff team. I, I think we're starting to see even in their inconsistencies, we're seeing a solid enough team to be a playoff team. That's this
0: might be the first time I heard you call them a playoff team.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I that's why I said I, I said this text in the form of a question. Like I was confused. <laughs> I was confused I think while we sending are, it. Though. Yeah, so I wasn't entirely sure, but it's it's sort of it's sort of what I predicted in the sense that Rose hasn't been as bad. And be coming along. He's coming along. And all I said was, I never thought he was going to have a great year. I just thought he was going to be not the worst guard in the league two years running. I thought we were not going to get that same guy. And over, I mean, yeah, we're we're eight and nine. We're one game below 500. But there was like a a four and one stretch. And he was playing pretty good basketball, pretty efficient basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, The Blazers game, we saw that where obviously he hit the little dagger at the end. That was nice. But, um, you know, he held his own against Kemba. That was nice. Um, the second game was a little bit rough. I, again, sure. uh, Matt had his piece today, kind of going into the road woes. But you know, yeah. it, it could have been fatigue a little bit. You know, we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but I think we're seeing enough for me to believe that they're going to be a playoff team in the sense that even when. You know, Rose is having an off night. Carmelo's having an off night. KP's fairly consistent around this 20-point-per-game mark through almost 20 he's games. So
0: Yeah, so far this season, he's been able to jump a little bit higher than that and hasn't really been held too much lower. So that's, uh, that's a good sign. Bench has been playing well. Pass well, better. A little, better. Little, little less consistent than we've seen in uh, the last week or so. You know, they got off to a hot start. But uh, definitely better. Better than expected, I think, still at this point, too. Hopefully they can they can uh continue to hold it together. But yeah, yeah, I think we there's right now they're playing like the makings of a fringe playoff team. I'm seeing I'm seeing some signs.
1: Nothing more than a 60, you know, but but a playoff team right at the bottom. Good enough to their, get in.
0: I mean, that was really their ceiling going into the season anyway. Absolutely. I mean, everyone's like the Knicks might be good, but the Knicks are going to be like, you know, they're not going to be one of the top four teams in the East. They're gonna. They might, they might be a playoff team, and then see where they can go from that. Um. But we're saying that now. In I don't want to call this a Rose Renaissance because we are looking at Rose as one of these. He's still one of the worst defenders in the league. He's still in the you know bottom three hundred defenders in the league. Um. But is he the one who's really who are really putting the playoffs on on his back? Is it gonna be? Is it gonna depend on the future of Rose? And how he plays to get us into the playoffs?
1: I think yes, just in the sense that he's such an important... He plays such an important position. You know, if... One thing I noticed is, um, for example, last night. And I've noticed it the last couple of nights because uh, the Hornets used a lot of pick-and-rolls as well. But defensively, his position... And we're seeing Joe Noah get exposed because of this. And what ends up happening is when teams attack on the pick-and-roll, he's not a good pick-and-roll defender... He seems to always hedge really high. And in doing this, he's sort of trying to block off one end for the ball handler to go to. I bring this up because that's sort of where we get gashed. And this is why he's been playing so poor defensively. And then this allows like a Russell Westbrook, a Kemba Walker to come crashing in to the paint, sort of unguarded. And that's what I mean by he plays such an important position because obviously we could talk about, you know, taking efficient shots. We could talk about making the right pass or driving and kicking like we have a thousand times but the fact remains that if he's putting up 30 points a game and he's giving up 35 or 30 Still even, not
0: doing anything yeah
1: it's it's nothing it's not helping and i mean last night westbrook scoring 27 points 28 points is is not that's not news that's that's a nightly occurrence almost. yeah but um even the rebound. I mean, just losing him on rebounds, getting outworked. It, it was just. It's such an important position in the sense that that's your first line of defense. That's where you right. should take pride in and stopping a guy from penetrating, stopping a guy from getting to the basket. We've yet to see that. So while the offense is nice, and we will go kind of as he goes in a ter- in terms of efficiency, but. Um, if he's not stopping guys, we're going to be in a lot of trouble all year. It's a very important position. So yeah, I do agree with that. I think we kind of do go as Rose goes because these other guys seem to be fairly consistent.
0: Yeah. We talk about the other guys being fairly consistent. I mean, Mello, I feel like in the last couple of years has given us a little bit more defensively, but definitely not consistent defense. Um, Still kind of waiting to see what's going to, how good defensively KP will be. I mean, he's a you know, he's a rim protector. He'll, He's just naturally going to do that because of his size. But how much, you know, how many more intangibles he can really stick in there coming along, but we'll see what his ceiling really caps out at. Um, but really, you know, I think when Phil and the front office went out and made their acquisitions over the summer, you were looking at Rhodes as a guy who was going to be able to give you a lot of offense and not much more else. I think that was pretty much known. And that's also when the Joakim Noah signing came along and you thought that maybe they could kind of, you know, even each other out, and give a little bit more that maybe we can get some kind of positive out of the two of them. But that's certainly not been the case with Joakim Noah so far. Um, I'm looking through 17 games through his season. He's got a defensive win share of just .4, um, which comes out to, it projects to be his lowest since last year, and we know he didn't really play very much last year at all, and he was not effective at all last year, trying to adapt to a new role and everything. But uh, so far, it's not projecting well for him. What's What's got to change? Uh,
1: everything. I mean, we, we brought him in to be a defensive stalwart and, and a, a good guy on the boards, and he's done neither of those things. And that's sort of where the contract looks indefensible at this point. Um, obviously, he wasn't going to score. Nobody cares if he scores. I don't care if he's getting two points a game. Nobody cares. Is he playing above average level defense is, is he rebounding at a good clip and the answer to those things is no you know we've seen some flashes some good passes i mean even uh the first half last night he was playing pretty well in the first half there was a uh, i think a block or two he had a couple big boards and it looked like i think in the last couple of pods we we're talking about you know if he doesn't have it get him out of the game and it looked like oh this is a game where he might have it this is yeah. a good game to have it against Cantor and adams and uh, it turned into a bloodbath in the second half. He just got yeah, bullied. Did, and
0: Didn't look good.
1: So, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's got to change. I mean, that's got to change. I mean, you you kind of have one job. He has one yeah. job, and, and he's not capable of doing it through 17 games now.
0: And see, the tricky thing about this all is that his numbers aren't really that bad right now. His per-game numbers, I, sh- I should say. Some of his advanced stats are kind of showing a. I guess, more telling picture. But you look at some of his per game averages or, you know, like no one cares about scoring, but scoring four points a game. He's got, uh, he's at eight rebounds a game in 25 minutes. He's got three assists, which is another big thing to bring him in for. If Rose isn't going to be passing, at least maybe they can run some sets with Noah passing. Um, his blocks are right about there, uh, right about there too. 25 minutes a game. It's a little less than he's used to, but you know, right about where we could have expected from him. It's just really, you know, everything seems to be there. He seems to be trying all the things he's used to trying and then just kind of, I don't know if it's the rest of the NBA adapting around him. I don't know if it's just, you know, guys getting faster and he can't really do anything about it. But, uh, I, don't, I, it's kind of dumbfounding. I was thinking that he would have enough time off and be healthy enough to at least be able to through the beginning of the season, at least right? give right. us some kind of you know, something to go forward on.
1: I th- yeah, I, th- I agree. I thought this, the, the first half of the year, I thought he was going to do pretty well. You know, I, I hate to be that guy, but because you hear this kind of rhetoric a lot, is that Thibodeau wore him down, he has too many miles, the injuries, and then all that kind of manifests itself in, into a 31-year-old guy who's over the hill. And I, and I didn't want to really believe that, like, that could always be a thing. I thought, like you did, you know, if he had enough time off, he got good enough shape... At least half a year of of good solid basketball. I mean, remember we're, we're seventeen games into a 72 year, uh, million two right. million dollar four year contract, and he's looked rough outside of maybe like what two total games. If you pack in different halves of different games, mm-hmm. he's looked pretty good. So,
0: yeah, I, I think that it's kind of you know because it is. There's two sides to the seventeen mm-hmm. games into the season kind of thing, you know. There's the. Should be expecting more from him so far, and he should be playing like the $72 million uh, contract. The other side of the coin is that he is in a new city with a whole new team and a whole new coach, except for Rose. He is, you know, adapting to playing again at this kind of a schedule after not playing for almost an entire year. Maybe it is just something with him that's going to take some time for him to get his wings back and get his legs back under him. But, I mean. I don't know. I like I said, I've been saying this whole time and if there's anyone who's out there following this so far, you know that I mean 30 games. And I'm going to stick by it. I'm still going to give Joe the benefit of the doubt through the next uh you know the next couple of games. And I'm just I'm hoping that it works out. I'm hoping they start showing more consistent flashes like this. Even if it's he has some off nights, it's fine. Just kind of show that you can do it show show that you can at least while over your tenure here I don't know if it's going to be a full four years or not but at least show that you're going to make some kind of impact on the court
1: exactly and I mean and that being said you know he struggled to stay consistent so far and he's had a fairly consistent role in the fact that he's been starting and and actually playing between 20 and 30 minutes most of these games so I guess the, the next question here would be what should they do with him because we've seen Hornacek wasn't afraid to Bench him that second half of that Mavericks game. So Hornacek early on is not afraid to, to mix things up. So that being said, is there something that could be done for this rotation for this lineup that could? It's.
0: I've definitely been thinking help. about it. I've definitely been. I've definitely been thinking about what it'd be like to have him coming off the bench. I don't know, and I'm, I'm struggling to decide whether it's going to be a positive or a negative thing, because you know. It's going to mess with the rotation a little bit, then, and I think the rotation's been one of the good things that's been keeping, um, keeping the bench relatively consistent and keeping at least giving some kind of order to things. Like so early in the season with so much change and basically a whole new team, I've kind of liked. And I talked about it last week how Hornsack was throwing Noah, um, you know, Hernan Gomez and Oquinn into the game at different times, just depending on what's needed and like who's getting fatigued out there. And, you know, it just it just worries me what's going to happen to the rotation because I'm not, I don't think that anyone's suggesting to move Hernan Gomez or O'Quinn into the starting five. No. I think everyone's been talking about moving Porzingis to the five and Melo to the four. Um, And I, I just worry about the chemistry issues that might come out of that. Noah, for as much as he's not giving us right now, it doesn't seem to really be affecting the play of the other guys in the starting lineup as much. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I just worry about what's gonna happen to our offense, which has looked pretty good so far if you if you shuffle pieces around in and out of there.
1: I mean, I I think as with any rotation in any lineup, you're gonna get better as you play guys. Yeah, I mean that's the hope anyway, you play them together. And you know, the where I've we've always thought, you know, KB should be at the five, Miller should be at the the four, but it's even more prominent now with Noah struggling the way he has been, and that's what, I saw Brian Gibberman tweet this idea multiple times, every time Noah struggles really and he's basically saying, you know we're getting beat up on the boards with Noah out there, we're getting beat defensively down low with Noah out there, you might as well maximize your offense by putting your two best players in their two best positions, spread mm-hmm. it out a little bit, so that's why, you know, we've seen KP at the 5, Melo at the 4, and then what that does, you know, we've discussed this I think on a, one of the f- first pods was I was talking about Throwing a Lance Thomas next to a Courtney Lee, throwing a Justin Holiday who's been playing yeah. pretty well next to a Courtney Lee. Let Derrick Rose go out there. We've seen the two guard uh, point guard set out there with Jennings and Rose. You know if Rose is playing well right now and Jennings is setting everyone up pretty consistently, you can roll those two out there. Throwing Courtney Lee, Melo at the four, KP at the five. That gives you balance. It gives you shooting. It allows Rose to run up and down the court with KP. I mean, it's. It seems to make sense in the sense that if you're going to sacrifice defensively and you know you're going to sacrifice, you're already getting beat defensively. So you're not really sacrificing much, but you're giving the offense such a high level of upside going forward. And I think it'd be wise to see that for, I think Gibberman was talking about 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes a game. Sort of like the death lineup for the Warriors. You're not going to abuse it, but you're going to use it in spurts when it's needed, Kind of go on a big run. That's when you're uh, really gearing up to try to use it. So I agree with right. that sentiment.
0: And that that's kind of like what I, what I was meaning to say. Um, it, it's I love that line if you're describing. I like um, you know, Holiday out there if you need some shooting. And I like Lance out there. Hopefully Lance comes back sometime soon. But I like Lance out there for defense next to them. And I think putting Lance in there ne- instead of Noah... <laughs> Is going to give you it's not the same kind of defense, but hopefully Porzingis can eat up enough of those boards and uh, that you know, rim protection, right. where we can you know put a little bit more of that effort into wing defenders. But I don't think it's a it's a starting lineup. You know, I I think it's a great fourth quarter lineup, um, and I think it should be safer there. But I, I think just for for Noah's own um, you know. I guess, mental state on the team and everything like that because it, the more he struggles on the court and the more that you know he gets beaten down for those struggles from everyone else around him, the more it's going to continue to struggle. I think that letting this team, throughout the beginning of the year, just kind of keep hammering the nail into the wall for a little bit. Let's keep on with the starting lineup out here. Let's let Noah keep trying to get his feet under him. Let's kind of let these guys build some consistency and chemistry, the two things that have been really lacking from this team for a while now. And just see what comes out of it. And you know, my own personal thirty game prediction. If it's not right then, and I don't think it's going to get right throughout the rest of the season, I think that's when you can start really toying around with starting those two point guard lineups, and like you know, having three guards on the floor at one time and going small and things like that.
1: Real quick before we uh, change gears here, I saw an interesting hypothetical today on Twitter, and uh, somebody brought up Knicks fans. What would you uh, what would you mind giving up? To get Nerlens Noel, a guy who hmm. could come in, give you legitimate rim protection, a good rebounding presence, and that's something that, if we don't want KP to move to the five yet, if we don't think we, he's ready, then at least not for a full game basis, and that's something that could work.
0: That is something that could work. Who, what, what could the Knicks possibly give up though to get Nerlens Noel?
1: It depends what Philly wants, and Philly typically wants picks, and we finally just got picks back. So um
0: Do, does Philly still want picks though? I think so. You think you think they still want picks? Because I mean they're yeah, gonna Hinky out. Hinky's gone.
1: I think they're still yeah, but they're still gonna want something for him because Noah's still uh Noel's still a young asset. You know, I mean maybe he's oh, yeah his trade value diminished a little bit over the last year or so, but he's still a young guy with enough upside and we know what he brings to the table defensively and on the board. So um I don't I don't know anything other than if we packaged a couple of our young guys up and sent them out with a pick or two that we could get Noel. I don't think anything else is feasible.
0: Probably have to be. I would think that probably if a deal were to happen real soon for that, for Noel, I guess Billy would be one of the first ones to go. I was,
1: um, I was thinking Coos too, because you'd need something on the perimeter. You might have to package both those guys together with like a a second round pick next year
0: yeah i even that kind of i worry if that would even be enough i I would say they're they're probably looking for if you can give them two seconds and a good young player that would probably work but i don't know if necessarily at this point either of those two rookies fit the fit the bill of what they'd be looking for
1: probably not i mean that's kind of what it comes down to unless you want to try to sell them on Defense, veteran presence. Try to throw Lance Thomas in there if he's healthy and can prove to stay on the. You know, it's going to be tough because we're usually kind of strapped for assets. So,
0: I saw, and this I wasn't even going to bring this up, but this is a um, so what we what we in the industry refer to as clickbait. There was a (laughs) little some some random uh, I, I guess on blog. We'll go blog. Some random blog out there uh, tweeted out an article saying that they were looking to – that a deal sending Noah to the Timberwolves was uh, bound to happen because the Timberwolves, as everyone's been hearing, are looking to possibly ship out one of their young players for some veteran talent who can come in and help them right away. And obviously, Joakim Noah fits that bill in spades. Um But the the funniest part about that that I saw what they'd be willing to offer us back was one of for Joakim Noah it would be one of Ricky Rubio, Shabazz Muhammad, Gorshi Zhang, and like there was like one or two other players that like wouldn't fit salary wise and just wouldn't fit from any GM wise, let alone Thibodeau. Um, so. Uh- I would take any one of those guys and a bag of potato chips, to be honest with you. Any, I would give them a
1: bag of potato chips. <laughs> several. Several bags <laughs> of potato chips. Because even Ricky Ruby. Oh, man. Ricky Ruby would solve so many problems.
0: But Which yeah. I feel like we've been saying for, like, five years now. Yeah. Yeah. We've literally been
1: saying, hey, we just need a guy up there who plays defense, can score 10 points on easy layups, and can pass
0: the rock to Melo so he can catch and shoot. That's all we've been saying, sort of... Yeah. Man, can you imagine can you imagine Rubio running with like uh Kuz and Herding Gomez and Porzingis? That'd be like for real Los Nicks.
1: It would be for real. Absolutely would be Los Nicks. Jesus that's Christ. That's pri- that's prime Los Nicks.
0: That's primo los nicks. Um Alright, moving on. So let's talk a little bit about because uh, Matt Spendley just wrote a real good piece about called Road Woes. About kind of what we've all been looking at and what we've all been talking about. The Knicks are just, for whatever reason, a pretty damn good home team and a pretty friggin' awful road team. And it, you know, a lot of it probably comes out of the uh, mentality that they've been trying to install, especially guys like uh, like Brandon Jennings, who's just so hyped up about you know '90s Knicks and MSG when it was in its golden era and everything like that. Um, I, I think that kind of mentality is really what's propelling them to win at home, but I just, I can't figure out what's making them so bad on the road.
1: Yeah. I mean, Matt brought up a couple of things that seem more obvious in hindsight, I guess. Um, uh, first thing he brought up was the, the slow, uh, slow starts the Knicks have gotten out to, um, we're allowing apparently 28.6 points to opponents on the road in the first quarter, which is the fifth highest in the NBA, and we are only scoring 24.9 points on average nice. in the first quarter. So we're basically looking at a four-point deficit every time we're on the road. So that's terrible. That is terrible. It's and, real terrible. And the other thing that maybe spit up my drink and cough a little bit was home We're allowing opponents to shoot from three— Thirty one point three percent. It's pretty good. That's mm-hmm. well below league average. That's yeah. that's not yeah, bad. That's good defense. On the road, we're allowing forty one point. Yeah, we're allowing forty one point nine points. Uh, forty one point nine percent. Yikes! Yeah, that's uh, it's disgusting. It makes you feel physically ill. Reading so,
0: that. Look at looking at three point defense. I mean, you're looking at guys, especially Courtney Lee. That's going to fall onto a lot. Can't really say much about Lance Thomas right now because he hasn't really been on the court enough. But yeah, I that's just gotta speak to, you know, the the perimeter guys. that also comes on to uh Rose and his defense. That also goes on to um yeah, wherever Mello is on the floor right then and what he's really giving on a given night. But it just seems like we're trying to develop this whole season and everything, it just seems a consistency is not there. They just I guess they just feel more comfortable playing at home um but yeah it's, it's something something about those other buildings i don't know what it is
1: i mean the other gross thing that i saw that matt pointed out was our defensive rating on the road is 111.5 and our offensive mm-hmm. rating is 99.7 Ooh. so yeah so at home we have a net rating of plus 2.2 and on the road we have a net rating of negative 11.8 which is just fucking disgusting that's just yeah. That,
0: that's that's exactly where that's why this team can be so good at. I mean, there are seven and three at home and one and six away. I mean, that just speaks to it right there. It's I don't know what it is about the bright, shiny lights or the concave ceiling at Madison Square Garden. But I guess it's just help. It's it's just doing something for them. Uh, and it's very frustrating. And you can kind of look at every player. um you know going down the line and everyone's just performing much worse at home uh or at on the road rather and something kind of along the same lines of this it was really interesting to me is uh Rose's field goal attempts and how they're really playing into the game mm-hmm. um that any time he attempts over sixteen a game we are what owen something 1 something I
1: think we're owen eight now
0: oh and or, eight yeah oh, oh teams owens and, and owen seven or owen eight every time uh Every time Rose attempts more than 16 shots. That's kind of going into a whole nother thing too. That's there's so many reasons why this team is not it's not that they're not succeeding. I guess they're not, but it's just that they're not clicking. It's just that they can't find that consistency like we're talking about.
1: I will say I will say that the the last and most recent loss to that list, and I have been known to be very harsh on Derek Rose so far, but um mm-hmm. that's Lost last night was in no way I think related to his shot attempts. I think that's when stats can be misleading because Yes. Because Melo couldn't buy a uh couldn't buy a bucket last night. Um KP was having a pretty poor shooting night, and for the love of God, nobody could box out Ennis Cantor. Or Steven Adams for that matter. So if it wasn't for Derek Gross actually scoring thirty points last night, the way he did it, you know. Say what you want about the defense of Russell Westbrook. That's fine. It's probably deserved. He's a hard guy to guard. Kind of impossible through this point of the season. But uh, we lost that game because of Ennis Cantor getting and Stephen Adams getting damn near every board and putting it right back in.
0: Right, which is what comes, which is what we're talking about when we talk about Noah's struggles, and ex- is exactly why I'm real hesitant to be moving Porzingis to the five on any real consistent level so far. Because you look at his stats right now, and his rebounding is down from even last season. Uh, you know he's only rebounding at a—it's not much further down. It's—it's it's about 0.2 percent down. He's—he's he's getting 7.1 rebounds per game right now. Um, and I don't know. Maybe he, he'd probably end up getting a couple more if you slid him down to the five right away. But you know he's just—he's he, not ready to out rebound Ennis Kanter or Steven Adams yet. Those guys are monsters. Which is crazy because I never thought that Ennis Counter or Steven Adams would be monsters. But those guys are they fill their role real beautifully in Oklahoma City right now. And it's when you have guys like Noah still trying to find a role, when you're still trying to figure out what to do with Porzingis, when you can't really c- rely on any consistency from Rose, you know, just going against well oiled units, you're not gonna you're not gonna do well. You're gonna have less of a chance to win it. Yeah and that's the that's the well-oiled Oklahoma City unit without Kevin Durant that was scrambling all summer long. So there's hope. I mean, they've kind of started putting it together. They're not going to be as good of a team as they've been in years, but they're putting a manageable product out there and they're doing it relatively quickly. If the Knicks can figure this out, you know, I don't think these playoff aspirations are really all that far out.
1: No, I mean like like Matt was pointing out too. I mean, the sort of polarity between these home and road splits, they're going to balance out to some degree over the rest of the season. It it seems it it could happen. I wouldn't put it past this team, but it seems sort of impossible that, you know, teams are going to shoot 40 plus percent from three against you every game that you go on the road and you're only going to allow 30% every time at home. So there's going to be some balance here. We're obviously not going to lose damn near every road game either, but, you know, not a good start.
0: Yeah, and I want to get back into Rose in just a minute, but um, I want to talk about what we got going on this week first. Um, Got another set of uh, home and homes coming up. Looking at the—against the Timberwolves. Uh, Wednesday night, we're going to be playing in Minnesota, and then they come back to the Garden on Friday. And then you're looking at the Kings on Sunday— and then the Heat on uh playing down in Miami against the Heat on Tuesday. So before we talk about because I really want to get into the uh Carl Anthony Towns versus Porzingis matchup, it's looking like a week where they might be able to right themselves a little bit. Um you, you, you know. would
1: you would hope they'd be able to I, I think the worst case scenario is they're gonna split with the wolves, and I think Although the Kings are a winnable game, they're in Sacramento for that game.
0: They are in the garden for that game.
1: Okay. So these are very winnable games because what do we have? Two home games, and then we have Miami on the road, Minnesota on the road. And Minnesota is beatable right now. Mm -hmm. And Miami's been bad by most accounts. They have not been a good team. Pretty much, they have interior defense. And rebounding, and that's that's it. There's like nothing else going on. Deion Waiters logs big minutes and has a big role in that team. That says most of what you need to know about the Heat to this point in time, other than Hassan Whiteside. So I think these are winnable games. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if we either split or went three and one here.
0: Mm -hmm. So definitely feasible.
1: Especially if we're getting the King. If if we were in Sacramento, I'd be a little bit more hesitant. But the fact that we're at the Garden. that makes me feel a little bit better. So I, I could see three and one. But I'm probably going to go two and two.
0: Okay. Two and two is fair. I'm just, I'm, I want to be, initially I'm looking at it and on paper it looks real optimistic to me. But then I just look at, it and I'm looking at all, they're playing some good big men this week. I mean, you're looking at twice versus Carl Anthony Towns. You're looking at. And then you're looking versus Demarcus Cousins. Then you're looking at versus uh, Hassan Whiteside. All within a, you know, all within a one week stretch. So that's definitely going to beat up Joakim Noah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a game off this week. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more rotations of. I wouldn't be surprised if Noah. you know, Hernan Gomez, you know, Quinn played some major minutes of the game, and then Plumlee even snuck in for a second or two there. Um, it's just I'm I'm hoping that they throw whatever they have out there because it's gonna take a lot to shut these guys down. But I think that it's gonna be the big matchup we're all looking at is Porzingis versus Carl Anthony Towns, right?
1: Yeah, I, I mean to the point about us facing these dominant big men too. Um Carl Anthony Towns is difficult to guard in the sense that I mean, we've seen the endless amount of video in his little over a season in the league, mm-hmm. sort of the same way we've seen Chris dapps doing amazing things from the perimeter, you know, although Cat has a little bit of a better handle, a lot probably of a better handle. And uh, I think what we need to focus on with these big men this next week or so is uh, sort of the old Dwight Howard defense, the way mm-hmm. a lot of teams used to play it when he was on the Magic in the sense that. You can let Dwight go to work. You can let Dwight put up 30-something points on you. That's okay. Nobody gets a three. There's no threes. No threes will happen. You'll lose on twos. And I think that's especially the theme for this team anyway. We like to get up and down the court. I mean, we're seeing that there's a good pace to this team so far. You know, that's one of the things, the positive things that Rose and Jennings bring. So, Boogie can have a really big game and they don't win because they're not getting outside shots. So if that's sort sure. of the formula, it's it's something that could work. But um back to Carl Anthony Towns, that's a little bit difficult because he shoots threes and he doesn't really hang around the basket so much. He's kind of like KP. He he'll linger out there and he'll wait for the ball on the three point line to make a move. So it's gonna So you
0: think we're gonna be seeing a lot more um a lot more perimeter play between those two offense or defense versus down low I think I
1: think they're going to look at least early to try to take it in on us um even with cat I mean you'll see him go out obviously but he's too good around the basket to especially against a, a team that just got victimized by Ennis Cantor. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are professional teams. They they know what just happened last night. And, oh, yeah, they and, do. That's and, what's worrying me. And I think I think tomorrow night they're going to go right down in there and they're going to try to kind of do it until we show them we can stop them. So um, if Joe Keem's going to play tomorrow, he really better bring his A game. You need to have a bounce back in the worst way because
0: yeah.
1: you're getting back-to-back games of Carl Anthony Towns. So you better figure this out and you better figure it out quickly.
0: I'm hoping that they strategize a little bit more to keep you know keep Joakim more fresh for uh DeMarcus Cousins and Hassan Whiteside cuz those are two guys that I don't think Porzingis matches up well enough against yet. Uh you know he might have a little bit of height on them but those those guys are just they're built out and they live for for down low. Um so I'm I'm hoping that Noah is able to really stand up and take and take you know take charge there. Um, I, I I'm just excited for Christophs versus Towns. I'm just I think it's going to I think it's gonna be fun. I don't know if they're gonna neutralize each other or if they're both gonna go off on each other. I couldn't even tell you, but I think it's gonna be a big game for both of them. Um, they were even talking about it in practice. It Christophs was saying, you know, watch out. I'm excited for this one. Um, it, it's it's definitely gonna be a good couple of games coming up, and I like that we got two in a row versus them. It's it might be a couple of memorable memorable games for the season. No, it's going to be a fun
1: little stretch, especially the fact that this isn't rushed like the Hornets games were. It's mm-hmm. a little bit more spread out. So, you know, if we take a pound in tomorrow night, we're going to come home, have some time uh, to relax, look some film over, and hopefully bounce back. But I'm actually a little bit more concerned for uh, Chris Stapps being guarded by Carl Anthony Towns than I am the other way around. Because KP sort of lives off of having the bigger guy on him, but the bigger guy is usually slower and mm-hmm. towns is, is big and he's long and he's fast and he plays mostly the same way that KP does probably a notch above him in some senses.
0: And yeah, he's got, a, I would say, I don't think anyone's debating that in that draft. It's towns is one and Chris Sops is is Um, He's got to step on him, but it's close. It's it, going to be it, fun. It's
1: close. It's close. And that's what I'm worried about. I think, if anything, KP, if that's the matchup that they're going to run with for most of the game, I think KP is going to get neutralized a little bit more, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, we'll that's have to see. My we'll have to play. see. This is just, you know what, this is, I feel like they both took pretty big steps forward this year. Um, I mean, Ta- Towns is, I think Towns took more of a step last year and he's kind of come back a little bit from it. But, yeah, obviously Chris Ops is playing a little bit better this year. Um, I, I just, I'm hoping this one lasts while. I'm hoping we get a couple of years of good Porzingis Towns matchup so we can compare back and forth. It, it'd be really fun. Yeah. Um, so why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with Derek Rose some more? You seem to be the, uh, the authority this week and I know you just wrote a little piece about it. Yeah. So
1: basically just, uh, let's cut the shit a little bit. Let's, let's scale it back. Let's relax. Ooh. I understand that we're excited. I understand that he's had a good stretch here. And I, and I had that that big uh, blow up with that guy on Twitter earlier this week or, or last <laughs> week. You know, it's, let's scale it back. Like he's We're doing a game by game count of how many games he's playing well. And that's sort of speaking to the fact that, you know, he wasn't playing well before that. So that's sort of what this is all. I mean, he's had a good stretch and he's coming off a 30 point game. So, of course, as off as if it's. A little bit of a conspiracy theory here, but all of a sudden, hey, did you know you guys could sign him to a three-year, $75 billion contract? Derek, what do you think about that? And now we're sort of stocking the flames a little bit here, and we don't need to re-sign him. And if we do, there's no need to talk about it 17 games into the season. If he goes on to average 23 points for the season at the end of all this, and he's shooting efficiently, and he's playing like even mediocre defense, and you want to then come back, Everybody make the case, we need to re-sign this guy, look at the season he just had. Despite the fact that my go-to retort to that would be, well, it's a contract year, of course he played well, it'd be sort of hard to refute, well, he played well. So, he has been playing well, and I think largely we've enjoyed watching him play well. Last night was fun, it was uh, Westbrook at his best, I mean, he had a triple-double, versus sort of vintagey Rosish. and it was... A fun game to watch. It was a battle. It was up and down. But ultimately, you're not going to get 30 point rows every night. You're not going to get 20 point rows most nights. You're going to get the guy that's kind of shooting 4 or 14. That's sort of the guy he's become. So maybe we have to do the 30 game prediction, 40 game prediction, but we we need to see more we need to see what consistently he becomes before we just ride a hot streak into a three-year 75 million dollar contract at this juncture of course the answer is no of course you don't resign him it's it's ridiculous to think that after the last two years you would just resign him after a stretch of seven good games of course it's asinine
0: and i just kind of you know why are we hopping to max already you know why? Why? Why are we all? Why is it three year seventy five immediately? I know that's what he's gonna go for. I know that's gonna try to ask for. But why are we gonna? Why do we try to take ourselves out of any out of the market at this point?
1: I think it was brought up in the sense that, let's say he does have that good year, and let's say we signed him earlier, like midway through the season. We might be able to save money if he really is that player and he does play at that level. I think it's it's like a disgusting hypothetical to toss out but I think that was sort of what they're trying to bring up if this is the guy you're gonna get you know you could kind of get him at more of a a bargain I guess you can get him at sort of like last year's cap prices as opposed to before it goes up again I think that was okay. the po- I think that was the point but
0: that's fair but at the same time it's just you know his past like you're saying his past has to account into it there's too many you question know, marks there's too many question marks and you know, looking at his play over the last couple of games, you know, it, sure, he had a huge game last night. He's had a couple of big games this season and everything like that. Um, but he's got a lot of pass to go with it. You know, he's he's got a lot of uh you know, he has M V P in that pass, but he's also got a lot of down years, a lot of injury, a lot of questionable decisions, and a lot of a lot of red flags really that come up. And I, I don't see how those don't factor into his his contract decision, even if he hits free agency. I, I just even looking at these games and looking at the sample he's provided so far this season, I don't see how it's a reason why people are anyone's gonna offer him Max in the offseason. No. It seems like just one of those moves where the Knicks would be shooting themselves in the foot all over again.
1: Absolutely. And I mean that's the thing is we're talking about all these red flags and we haven't even gotten to the fact that that there are better free agents available in each of the next two years. And that's sort of the point I made in my piece. I I went point by point with all the question marks. And then towards the end, I was like, we haven't even gotten to who's a free agent or who's going to be a free agent. And exactly why Why after 30, 40 games would you even try to be talking in extension with the guy before you even meet with these other guys? I mean, it's not if, – if he really plays that well – and you want to throw a boatload of money at him after the season? If you sign him now, what are you going to save? $10 million a year, maybe? Maybe. Maybe. So it's really not that big of a saving. So just scale it back, relax. Let him yeah, play just, his yeah. year out and, and then go from there.
0: Yeah, everybody take it easy. There's no need to shoot ourselves in the foot just yet. Now, I, I do want to bring up, I mean, two of the names,
1: everybody wants to talk about the pipe dream with Chris Paul, but... Mm -hmm. Two of the more realistic names to me that I think fit, and we discussed this a little bit earlier in the chat, um, Drew Holiday, if he's looking to get out of New Orleans, and I mean, they haven't really, they've been sort of woeful the last couple of years, injury bug, I mean, underperforming a little bit, but he's kind of maintained a good consistent level of play. Maybe he's looking for a change in scenery. That'd be a good guy and um
0: yeah, probably keep justin around a little bit too
1: yeah yeah that would be we'd have holiday squared so that'd be fun yeah and
0: um not since the smith brothers have we seen such oh trouble.
1: my god chris smith <laughs> <laughs> but um him and george hill george hill is is a is a player i mean he plays above average on both ends of the court never gets enough love on, on either end for that and um that's another guy i like to have he'd be those are two selfless guys Core is going to score, take the open shot if they have it, but mostly they're looking to play great defense and they're looking to get the ball to their guys, the Carmelo, the Chris Stapps. And I think they can still get to the basket, they can still get to the hoop, and I think having those guys kind of complements Chris Stapps and Melo more than a Derrick yeah, Rose. I, I
0: agree with that entirely. Um, So, okay, let's do it like this. Who who do you want to see running the show next year? Hmm. I mean, for in
1: in a perfect world where we can throw out three contract offers, you know, we have a meeting with Derek Rose, we have a meeting with Drew Holiday, we have a meeting with George Hill. In in a perfect world, I'd I'd go Holiday if he was willing, because George Hill's thirty years old. Don't forget either. And Holiday, although he's had, you know, his own issues I mean he's had mostly minor issues but they've uh, injuries and whatnot but they've added up he's still only 26 George Hill's at 30 he's going to a a Utah team right now playing really tough hard defense So that's going to be a little bit of added mileage to him Um, I'd rather have Drew I mean it's not so much a 1A or 1B but you know George Hill be a a fairly close second to me but I think Drew's kind of a clear cut first I'd love to have Drew here
0: all right so I um, re- if if we're talking because this is just dreams now, I'm just saying who we want. If we're if I'm dreaming here, then I'm gonna say I want the Knicks to try to find a way to pry Chris Paul away from the Clippers. After the season's starting to go, yeah, you know, it looks less realistic, less realistic. But I still do think that a good you know good year or two with Chris Paul, maybe three, running the show and everything like that, depending on how he holds up, would be our best chances. But I basically introduced us all like this to segue us right into another throw shit at the wall segment. Um and I wanna know now you know who you I know who you want to have next year. Who do you think will be running the show next year?
1: Well, because we're all Knicks fans here, I think we all know the answer to this question. Uh, I think we're looking at Derek Rose being back next year. I just it's it's that like Terrifying little voice in your head when you're trying to go to bed and it's twelve thirty mm-hmm. at night and then it sets in. Like that's that's what I think about. I just usually
0: think, I can get a if I go to bed at like twelve thirty I can get away with avoiding that voice, but like if I push it to like 1:32, then the little you know, then I guess Robert Randolph it is so he, his <laughs> voice will just start creeping into the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I but, just.
1: I'm very concerned because this it, it's such a nixie move. It, it's it's the nixiest move that you could possibly do. Is is the story today was we're talking about a contract extension for a guy who's had seven good games. I mean that's as Jerome James as it comes. So I'm <laughs> so I, I'm I'm scared. I am I, I am I I really think. I don't think he's going to play this level the whole year, I think, but you're going to see something close to 16, 17 points on like 44, 45% shooting. I think he's going to be okay defensively, and by okay, I mean like he'll trend closer to like 300 instead of 370, where he's at now, I think 365 Mm -hmm. defensively. So I think he'll get slightly better over the course of the rest of the year, and Somehow, some way, we're gonna throw whether it's that three-year extension or it's like another one-year prove-a-deal, two-year prove-a-deal, something with a a player option. I don't know. I just feel like somehow, some way, we're gonna end up with this guy back on our team.
0: Yeah, I'm certainly not gonna rule out um like a like a one or I'm hoping they're smart. You know, I'm hoping they offer him if if it comes down to it and he's gonna get another contract. And if he plays well enough to deserve another contract, you know, fine. Um. I'm hoping that the Knicks are smart enough not to offer him such a long-term deal, so that way he can go accept a long-term deal from what other, uh, you know, some other stupid team that's going to offer it that way, and the Knicks can go out and sign Drew Holiday that way, because I, I think that that's really their best option. Um, I do kind of, I do kind of think that Drew Holiday will be this uh, Knicks point guard in 2017. I don't know if I just jinxed our chances entirely of that ever happening. It just opened up a whole nother, you know. Yeah, I probably just created like separate universes where Drew is starting for the Knicks, and it's just never going to happen for us now. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and say I think it'll. Pro- I I got a good feeling about that one. I think that's where I can land on that. I got a good feeling on some other team, prying Rose away from the Knicks, much like what happened with Jeremy Lin, and they end up with someone like Drew Holiday.
1: I look. I. I- I'm praying. I'm praying we get Drew Holiday. That's a 26 year old guy. He's a real player. That's a guy who's going to come in, make Kristaps' life easier going forward. That's a guy I wouldn't mind having the next couple of years as we keep, you know, pushing towards this becoming Kristaps' team. That's like such a good complimentary piece. He does. He doesn't do like one thing so 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 well like Rose does, getting to the basket. But he does like mm-hmm. a lot of good, a lot of things. Really well or pretty well, like it's just nice and balanced all across the board, and that's just that's so hard to find a guy who can do all the different things just good enough or better.
0: Yeah, but you know what one of those things are, right? It's getting hurt. That dude cannot stay on the court for. I mean, he hasn't shown it so far. Hoping it gets better if he were to come here, but I, you know, I'm I'm optimistic about it. I love it. If it happens, I'm gonna be stoked out of my mind. I'll I'll be like Knicks are back. But um I, I just I'm waiting for that other team to come around who'd be willing to pry Rose away from the Knicks. There there's gotta be I'm waiting to see what that landscape opens up to. Um some some team might might be willing to. The only one I can think about right now is the Grizzlies because of what just happened with Mike Conley. And depending on how that situation all pans out, which is terrible because Conley's such a good such a good player. And that's that's just such a weird injury, uh, vertebrae fracture. But if something more serious happens there, I could see them coming, you know, putting out a big offer for Rose. We'll have to see. Obviously, all speculation right now. But that's why we're throwing shit at the wall. Yep. Yeah. Um. So who who do you like this week, though? You got a guy for the week? Other, let's let's take rose out of the equation if you really want to derek Rose can be your guy but i'm not gonna make you do that
1: i i mean it'd be hard for it not to be rose um i i think i think it's got to be one of the starters this week it'd probably have to be rose or kp because you could look at it like rose kind of got hotter during this stretch you know game by game and uh kp kind of played consistently i mean even when he was having some poor shooting nights he played well consistently i know he had a couple big blocks at that uh the game at the garden with the hornets even um the portland game so i i think I- again I- i'm just gonna go with rose here i, I think
0: that's it- a first yeah i mean i didn't think i would hear it honestly like yeah i knew rose was gonna play well at points this season but i never thought that he'd be your guy for a week
1: no i it's like one of those it's too obvious to ignore this week. I yeah. I, I know it's kind of like the given one as well, but he's done a lot of those things well. I mean, he's passing out. He's kicking out at a higher clip during this stretch. He's scoring way more efficiently around the basket than he's not only done, I think, this year, but in, in the last couple of years. His jump shot's starting to fall a little bit outside of that nasty 6-for-20 game in Charlotte. So he's overall playing pretty good basketball right now and even defensively I took a look at it too his net rating went down I think before these last seven games his net I think I wrote about it but his his net there's like a I think it's like a three-point drop-off in defensive rating so mm-hmm. I think it went from like 111 to like 108 and 108 still isn't good at all no. but but it's better
0: it's reflective of the whole team too though in that
1: right so he's just gotten better sort of as the, the games have gone on and yeah, I think I think it's kinda of hard to ignore. Rose is my guy.
0: Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, I'm I'm going to it is hard to ignore, uh, but just for the sake of, of being a little different and you know, whatever. I'm giving uh my guy to mellow this week. And I know he didn't have a great week. I I'm not you know, my guy doesn't have to be the best guy on the team here. Let's let's my I'm giving my guy to Mellow this week, just because and strictly because of that uh game winner versus Charlotte. That was just just one of those vintage mellow plays and just yeah, it's it was a magic play. It's one of those plays that Mello when he was a superstar, whether or not he is anymore, or whatever whatever Mellow's become. It's just one of those plays you don't see very often from him anymore. And when it does happen, you just gotta like just kind of sit back and take it in for a little bit. That's all I've been thinking about this whole week too. It's I'm just I I just keep on replaying that I I sent that text around to everyone too. I was like send the video out. I'm like Melo still got it. Mm-hmm. He still got it. He can still do it. And you know, it's just one of those, just one of those things. It was like when he scored 62 a couple of years ago. It was just it's one of those rare fleeting moments and you don't think he could do it anymore. Or you question whether or not he's still capable of performing at this level. And then he goes out and hits a shot like that. And you're just like, you yeah, know, we can worry about some other things for now. You're still good. So that's why Melo's my guy this week. Consistency.
1: In, in, in being fair in being fair to your game winning Melo moment here, we can't overlook the abysmal shot that came at the end of regulation.
0: Yeah. I know, but that, you know, that doesn't outdo <laughs> what happened. I, you can I, still I, have I know, X with I know. Y. I,
1: I know, I know, I just, I had to, because Jesus Christ. The, the only reason was, if he would have just missed it, it wouldn't have been so bad. I don't think anyone would have brought it up because he redeemed himself later. But, like, you can make the argument he couldn't see KP down by the basket, but, like, Courtney Lee was wide the fuck open. He was He was so open. He couldn't be... He was like sitting in a beach chair. He was so open and relaxed on that three-point line. And Melo was just like head down, doing that little like twisting thing in to like get into the defender's chest. And then he throws up that shot. It was it was rough. Thankfully, uh, he redeemed himself. Thankfully, he redeemed you himself. You know what, man?
0: Basketball's still entertainment. If he's doing shit like that for me, if it goes so over time and I get a little bit more out of it, it's a good night. I'm happy. He made my night great. I had a fantastic night because he did that. And that's, yeah, that's all it takes for me.
1: But he did have a really good game overall against yes, the Hornets yes, so. too. It was a bad yeah. it was a bad shot at the end of regulation, but overall, the game winning shot plus his overall body
0: of work that game, I think he had thirty five. So uh, yeah, yeah, Don't very good. Away from him, this is still his team. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this thing up then. Um, everyone, all you listeners out there, you better be following us on Twitter at Knicks Wall. Give us a like on Facebook too. Uh, we've been talking about a couple of pieces we had going on today. Uh Matt Spendley's Road Woes piece is up. Um we were covering on that a little bit earlier, but really he takes a great look at just what's been going on on the road this um you know the past couple of games and really this year. And uh you know, it sheds some light. It's definitely I don't know how you're going to come out of it with an optimistic or a pessimistic look, but it's a good read. Uh my guy my real guy here Kyle also, if you're interested to really know what he feels about uh Derek Rose, although he was your guy this week. But uh if you want to know what the what his thoughts on what we should do with Rose are, uh, go to nixwall.com and check out all of our other great content in there too. We got previews and recaps before and after every game, and uh plenty more coming up in the next couple of days. Right, it do have to be right. uh, it's another episode in the books. Enjoy the after music. Track to where your center of mass is.